We're so glad that you've tuned into our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm David Curtis, and I'm the Worship and Discipleship Pastor here at our Rolling Hills Nolensville campus. Our message today is all about mission. We believe that God has brought us to where we are on purpose for a purpose, whether that's here in our neighborhoods and communities or to the ends of the earth. The time to reach out is now. Let's hear from Pastor Jason. Well, is there anybody in the room that's in the category of people that I like to call easily distracted people? Any of you easily distracted? How about any of you that are easily confused? That just, it doesn't take much to confuse you. It doesn't take much to distract you. I love both of you groups of people because I am you. I am someone who gets easily distracted. And those of you that live in a manner, you never get distracted and you always have kind of blinders on. You, you're always just going the straight and narrow. You don't kind of start looking to the left or right. Just know what it's like for those of us who are easily distracted. We can't watch a movie without getting distracted because we watch a movie, Kevin Costner's in the movie, and we have to go to IMDb or Google to see what else Kevin Costner has been in. And then upon doing so, that leads us to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And we think, that's such a good movie. It's better than the one I'm watching right now. I wish I was watching Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And I go down that rabbit trail, and that leads me to Morgan Freeman, because he was so good in Robin Hood. So I click on Morgan Freeman, and all of a sudden, I'm now driving Miss Daisy. And it's just, it's just I'm so far removed from the movie that I click back. I go back to Kevin Costner, and I'm led to Field of Dreams. And I'm thinking, that is just an awesome movie. So I open up another tab, because now I want to book a trip to Iowa to go see... <laughs> The baseball field, and I'm thinking, do I know anybody in Iowa? What else is there to do in Iowa? I want to go see this field. It is a real struggle for those of us that are distracted. And some of you, that is not you, and you are judging us, and we just simply say, judge on. We don't care. <laughs> and then there's some of us that get confused as well. We just kind of get confused by everything pretty easily. We just are a little bit confused as to why the Enneagram has taken over the world. We just don't know your fascination with it. I mean, you introduce yourself in a group and you introduce yourself with your Enneagram number and you're two, wing, three, seven, wing, 8.5, nine. And we're over here like, I like chicken wings. I'm not even sure what you're talking about <laughs> anymore. So what is the Enneagram number for the person who just hasn't gotten around to taking the test quite yet? Because that's uh, where those of us who get easily confused are camping out. And because I get so easily distracted or so easily confused, I really like our passage of Scripture today. In fact, I really like this series that we're in, Engaged, because what I see God doing through this series and the vision of this series is to help you realize that God has made it very abundantly clear as to what he wants us to do. He, in fact, wants to eliminate the guesswork. He says, I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to be distracted when it comes to understanding what it means to follow me. And so what we've done throughout this series is we have highlighted some of the things that we believe that we see in Scripture that will help you engage with the church and engage with the person of Jesus so significantly. And one of those is community. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. For those of you with us for the very first time today, a couple of weeks ago we talked about community. And then two weeks ago we talked about discipleship about what it means to grow as a disciple, to spend time dedicated in God's word and to find a group of people to journey through life with. And then last week we talked about serving and that what it means to serve. And, and any time that we can get ourselves out of the center of the equation, it's better because we realize what God is doing. It unifies us. Serving is a pathway to unity. And today we're going to look at what it means to be on mission to make the proclamation of Jesus and to share about the hope and life of Jesus something that we bring into our everyday life. And when we do that, we begin to realize what God is 
wanting to do and that what it means to engage with him is to be about what he is about. And maybe this comes as a, a first time you've ever heard this before. But one of the things that Jesus wants us to be passionate about is to proclaim his name to other people, to share about his love with others that we come in contact with through word and through deed and through action and through our motivation and through our attitudes. And so my hope and prayer is that as we read today in Matthew chapter 25, if you want to go ahead and turn there, in Matthew chapter 25, that we'll catch a glimpse of what it means to be on mission. And that as a result of that, we would seek to not be men and women who just stay put, but that we would say, I want to go and I want to be involved in what it is that Jesus wants me to be involved in. Now, Matthew chapter Chapter 25 is an interesting chapter of the Bible because the first 30 verses are these two parables. And Jesus loves stories. In fact, if you want somebody to remember something, connect it to a story. And so Jesus connects this to a story because he wants them to get the big idea. And the big idea in the first two parables in Matthew chapter 25 is Jesus is saying, I am coming back. I'm coming back to the earth once and for all. And maybe, again, you're new to church and you're like, I have no idea what that means. Well, here in Matthew 25, Jesus historically, literally, is teaching the disciples, his followers. Just like you and I would have a conversation. Jesus was a real person, fully God, fully man, and he was teaching his disciples. And he says, what's going to happen soon is I'm going to go away for the first time. I'm going to die. And we know the story. He was hung on a cross. He died. He was taken off that cross. And for three days, the world was silent because we thought death won. Or I should say, the world thought death won. And he conquered that grave. He burst forth out of the grave, resurrected to show us that he conquers everything in our life, especially the sin in our life. And then he ascended back to heaven. And he says, I'm going to come again. Has he come back again for the second time? Not yet. Why has he not come back yet? Because there's work to do. It tells us in Scripture that Jesus has not returned yet because not everyone has been proclaimed the good news of Jesus just yet. And he gives us the commission to do that. He gave the early disciples the commission to do that. So in Matthew chapter 25, he's preparing them for what's to come. And he says, this is a foreshadowing. This is a clear picture of what's going to happen someday. I'm going to come back. And when I come back, I'm going to make everything amazing. And everything will be good. And everything will be holy. But before he dies... On the cross, he tells his disciples this teaching, and he gives them this teaching. Some of you are familiar with Stephen Covey and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of those habits of highly effective people, according to Stephen Covey, which I agree with, is you begin with the end in mind. Have you guys heard this before? You begin with the end in mind. And what does that mean? It means that you start with where you want to end, and then you kind of backtrack and fill in your life, whether it's a personal goal or a business goal or whatever the case might be. I begin with the end in mind, and then I live my life reflective of where I want to be someday. Well, Jesus was spouting this wisdom before it was popular in books. Jesus was sharing this wisdom with his followers because he says, this is the end. What's going to happen someday is this. And so I want you to live your life reflective of the fact that I'm going to return and that I want you to be on mission. And so these first couple parables talk about being prepared. And it talks about using your gifts and using your talents. And then we get to chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. And what he is saying here is that there is going to be a day that I am going to finally judge all of humanity. 
And you'll hear this. And this is what I'm going to judge you against. This is what I'm going to measure your life against. So let's pick up in chapter 25, verse 31. So when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you. Since the creation of the world, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and didn't help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, You did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So see what Jesus is doing here. He's giving us a really clear picture of what is to come. And he says, the son of man, Jesus, he's referring to himself here. He says, on that final day, I will sit on a glorious throne as a judge. This isn't fairy tale. This is not some made up, you know, illustration. This physically will happen. I will sit on a glorious throne as a judge, and I will judge all of humanity, past, those who have already died, and present, those who are alive, when I return. And you will give an account for the way that you lived your life. Are you ready for me? How did you use your gifts and talents? And then ultimately, were you about the things that I wanted you to be about? And so he will very gloriously judge the world. Now, what does a judge do? We have a context of a judge in a courtroom, and a judge sits up on a bench, and he or she hears the case, and they evaluate whether you're guilty or whether you're innocent. And if you're guilty, they impose some kind of sentence or some kind of punishment up on you. And Jesus says, in essence, what he's going to do is very gloriously, this isn't negative, but very gloriously, he's going to hear, and every person will be judged according to the way that they live their life. He's glorious, he's holy, and on that throne, he will separate humanity into two groups of people. On the right will be the sheep, and on the left will be the goats. And so the sheep represent the people who know him and who were about the things that he wanted them to be about, and the goats are the ones that don't know him. And to the sheep, he will say, blessed are you, because the kingdom of heaven is prepared for you for all of eternity. And to the goats, he will say, you are cursed. Depart from me, because I never knew you. So what is our goal today? Our goal today is to be a sheep. What is your takeaway today? What is the takeaway? What is it that I want you to walk out of this place knowing? I want you to walk out of here saying, I am a sheep and not a goat. Goats are cute. I hear that it's a thing now. They jump on your back for yoga and all those kinds of things. So, I mean, mean, not anti-goat. But Jesus says, "I, I want you to be about me. And when I separate, the sheep are over here because they lived right and they got it right. The goats, on the other hand, didn't. 
And what separates, again, the sheep from the goats is, you see it here on your screen, is when it comes to Jesus. Because, see, Jesus is the authority on all matters. And that's, in essence, what separates the sheep from the goat. Because what do the sheep live? How do the sheep live? Who do the sheep live under the authority of? The sheep live under the authority of Jesus. And they say, Jesus is our all in all. Jesus sets our agenda. We want to be about the things that Jesus is about. Whose authority do the goats live under? themselves. They live under the authority of the world. They live under the authority of culture. They live under the authority of anything else that is not of Jesus. And it, it's not even inherently bad things. It's not like some of the things that goats live under the authority are terrible things, but it's anything that's not of Jesus and that's not prioritized by the person of Jesus and knowing Jesus. And so sheep, on the other hand, though, they say, I want to allow Jesus to be my sole authority meaning I want to be about what he wants me to be about. And I want my life to be reflective of the things that Jesus wants my life to be reflective of. What does Jesus want your life to be reflective of? Well, to answer that question, look back at the text. Back at the text, chapter 25, verse 34 through 36. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come who you are blessed by me. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Jesus says, I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was naked, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. But how did the sheep respond? How did the sheep respond to Jesus' teachings? They said, well, Jesus, when were you naked? Because I'm pretty sure we would have remembered that. I mean, you don't forget your leader walking around naked and you bringing a tunic to him. Like, of all the things that I think you're possibly going to forget, this isn't something that you would forget. And they're like, when did we see you, Jesus, naked? Or when did we feed you? Because the last sort of time we remember food being involved, we brought a few fish and a few loaves of bread and you fed thousands of people. So I don't really recall you ever needing food, Jesus, because couldn't you have just taken that little crumb if you really needed food and made so much more with it? When were you naked? When were you hungry? How does Jesus respond? Look at verse 40. The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So Jesus said what it really means to be a sheep is that whatever you did for the least of the brothers and sisters, you did for me. And whatever way you served the least of these, you were serving me. So much so, and this is straight from the text, and I want you to write this down. Jesus equates every act of love to the least of these as an act of love to him. Jesus equates every act of love to the quote-unquote, least of these, as an act of love to him. He says, whatever you did for the least, you did for me. Now, who are the least that Jesus is referring to? Specifically in this context, in Matthew chapter 25, precisely who Jesus is talking about right here is he is talking about other disciples that are going through a really difficult time. And he's talking about other people of faith, other people in the early church that are persecuted, that are dealing with difficulties, that are financially struggling, that don't have the food, the clothes that they need. Why do we know that? Because the word least in Greek is mikroi. And every time mikroi is used in the book of Matthew, it's referencing disciples. 
And so he's saying the least of these, the disciples, are the ones that I want you to, to, to care about. Now, the entire Bible screams very loudly that God's heart is for the poor and the broken and the oppressed. We'll get there in just a minute. But I don't want to make Matthew 25 about more than it needs to be about in this moment because it's written in a context and it's written in an original language. And in that language, we should extrapolate from this that as the church or as a follower of Jesus Christ, when I see someone else, another follower of Jesus Christ going through a hard time, I should be compelled into action. It's why we as a church, when we see a tornado that damages or ravages a church, we spring into action for the least of these. It's why I hope you're praying right now for what's happening on the Gulf Coast. It's so sad, and it's so terrible, and it's heartbreaking, and we're praying against the loss of life, but we also know that in that, buildings will be destroyed, and churches will be destroyed, and ministries will be destroyed, and that's why we as the church step up and say, we want to serve the least of these others who are going through a difficult season. It's why when I hear about a missionary needing financial support to continue their work, I should be passionate about that because there's a need. A least of these has a need, and I should be compelled to act. When I hear about an addict who is homeless or who's struggling, who loves Jesus, and they have had some personal demons that they have dealt with in their life or some personal struggles in their life, and they are trying their best, and the weight of the world keeps pushing them down further and further. That's why I should be compelled into action to help, because I'm serving the least of these. And from a broader context, we are to meet the needs of the poor everywhere. But Jesus says, when it comes to this part of what it means to engage with me, I don't want you to watch other people struggle and just turn and walk the other way. And I look at across this room, and I'm thankful for this church, and I'm thankful for so many of you that say, this is my story, and this is how I want to live my life. Now, inversely, every time you serve the least of these, you're serving Jesus. Let's take it to the other opposite side of the equation. Every time you ignore the needs of the least of these, you're ignoring Jesus. Every time you ignore the needs of the least of these, you are ignoring Jesus. It's why he says in verse 45, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. So when I don't care about a brother or sister that's struggling, or when I don't care about another ministry that is struggling or someone who is struggling, and I just kind of watch them and continue to live my own life and pray that God would raise up somebody else to care about the least of these. In essence, I'm not caring about the right things. Now, this is a tough text. I much prefer to stand up here and preach, cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. That's true as well. But this is also true. And Jesus is wanting us to understand the difference between being someone who has his authority and the authority of the world. And I pray in my life that I would get this right. And I pray in your life that you would get this right. And I pray that as a church, we would seek to get this right and find ways to serve and to stand in the gap for the least of these. One of the ways that we do that here at Rolling Hills is through our support of Justice and Mercy International. And Justice and Mercy International is the missions arm of Rolling Hills. It's a nonprofit organization that we started a number of years ago through Rolling Hills. And that work has grown by the grace and the glory of God in some really significant ways in the Amazon. And in the Amazon, we have many pastors and networks 
network of pastors and the least of these that we invest in and staff and teams that have worked so hard and so diligent, especially over this past season of ministry, the close to the last two years with the global pandemic. And so we have, I want to show you a story this morning. It's from Sarah Rodriguez, who is our national director with Justice and Mercy International in the Amazon. And she wants to thank you for the way that you have stood in the gap for some of the least of these in the Amazon. So take a look at Sarah's story. Dear Rolling Hills, uh, Jeff, all of the members of this big family that we love so much, I'm here to thank all of you for all of your support, your prayers, your generosity, um, and how much you have truly cared for the Amazon people. Not only, of course, like through all of these years that you have been not only supporting your work here, but physically and, and personally, um, uh, to minister and love uh, the river people in the Amazon. This last year was no doubt the hardest year for us in ministry here. And through this difficult year, I cannot tell you how vital and important it was um, to first know that the Lord was with us. And um, the Lord chose also to be present with us through so many of you and through this church as a whole, as you guys were covering us in prayer, but also uh, providing abundantly for us to send out, um, you know, just urgent, urgent needs um, and provisions for the people here, but also a national staff who I am personally so proud of and who have put their life on the line and chose to um, expose themselves to the risk of being contaminated and to getting sick in order to actually save lives uh, especially the last year and I cannot thank you enough for the sacrificial effort that you're making in order for our staff to be even better um, taken care of through their financial um, income every month and so thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you for uh, just carrying us as we are uh, right here on the ground carrying the gospel and the love of Jesus to places that um, are not aware of his grace and his love and his hope just yet. So we cannot wait to have you here on our new boat um, this coming year. We love you so much and we're so, I commend you for the mission-minded uh, church that you are and how that impacts the kingdom of God right here in the Amazon. Thank you so much. See, because of your generosity, because you chose to be a faithful supporter and a faithful um, part of Rolling Hills, God's worked. And we've seen thousands of food bags that have been delivered to local pastors along the Amazon River Basin that they can take out and provide needs for people in their congregation and people along the riverbanks. And with that, they share the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. You may have also heard in there one of the things that we were able to do as a result of your generosity is we gave a raise financial support to every national staff member with Justice and Mercy Amazon. And these are men and women that work so hard for so little. And they have put themselves in harm's way, not begrudgingly, but intentionally because they love Jesus and they want to share the hope of Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful that as a church we say, we want to serve the least of these, and we want to be a part of the work that God has called us to be a part of. But when we pull back, and when we pull back to the 30,000-foot view, the least of these in Matthew 25 we are to care about. But God's heartbeat is for the poor and the oppressed. 
And God yearns for us to be connected to people that are struggling. And he wants us to share our needs, share in needs with them. And he wants us to love. In fact, if we don't do this, then a couple things are going to happen in our life. We're not going to grow. In fact, one of the clearest ways, if you don't want to grow this next year, in fact, I'm going to give you the recipe. If you want to fast forward this time next year and you want to be farther away from God than you are right now, then just make this next year everything about you. Make everything all about you. Put yourself in the center and allow everything to just orbit around you. And I promise you, it will be mission accomplished, easy peasy. But I don't think that's what you want. And I know that that's not what we want as a church. So what do we have to do? We have to say, God, show me what it is that you want me to be about and show me the ways that you want me to serve and to be on mission with those who are struggling and those who are hurting because there's severe consequences for not getting this right. There was severe consequences for the goats <laughs> that didn't get this right. But look at what it says in Proverbs. If we need further affirmation, Proverbs 21, 13, a verse of scripture that should keep you up at night. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Hello, brick wall. Nice to meet you whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. The text is saying, God is telling us, if you shut out the things that I really want you to be passionate about, it's possible that you cry out and you may not get the answer that you wanted. How about Sodom and Gomorrah? Sometimes we have familiarity, and if you're new to church, you have no idea what that means. But if you were raised in church, you may have been told the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know uh, some of the struggles that were in Sodom and Gomorrah, but sometimes in Christian circles, we love to quote all of the reasons that God destroyed these towns. And rightly so, those reasons are accurate. Sexual sin had overtaken the town of Sodom and Gomorrah, but Sodom was a town that was purely evil. But that's only part of the story. It's only partly sexual sin that made them so evil. Go to Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 and 50. Now, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them as you have seen. What was the first offense of Sodom? The first offense of Sodom was arrogance. They were arrogant. They were prideful. They lived in excess and didn't help the poor and needy among them. So pride, arrogance, living in excess led to more sin in their life. And ultimately, it was a recipe for disaster for the town. That's why as a church, we want to be on mission. That's why as a family, I pray that you desire to be on mission. That's why I hope that we don't see being on mission as an option for us, but that we would say, God, position me in places so that I can stand in the gap for the least of these. I don't want to live with pride and I don't want to live with arrogance, and I certainly don't want to make life about me, but rather I want to serve with humility. And what Jesus shows us is a, a pretty clear commission, a pretty clear path as to how we are to do this. And it's in Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. If you're wondering, God, well, what is it that you want us to do? What is it that you want me to do? God, well, look at what he said to the early disciples. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what does Jesus ask for us to do? Jesus commissions us. Jesus commissions us to live on mission in our communities, our nation, and around the globe. Jesus commissions us to live on mission in our communities and our nation and around the globe. And did you notice whose authority we go under? 
his authority. He says, I have given all authority. Who lives under the authority of Jesus? Sheep. What do we want to be today? Sheep. (laughs) The sheep live under the authority, and under his authority, the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you are a witness to him, and you give testimony of Jesus' goodness in these places. He says you start in Jerusalem, and in this local context, Jerusalem was their locality. It was their place. It was their home. And so when Jesus says to us, I want you to be passionate about serving in Jerusalem, he's asking us to be passionate about Middle Tennessee. He's asking us to be passionate about our specific part of the world here in Nolansville, here in Nashville. And then he says Judea and Samaria, which represented the larger nation as a whole. And so I'm to be passionate about reaching people and serving people and being on mission here in the United States of America and then to the ends of the earth. What does that mean? That's the easy one. That's everybody. That's all across the globe that's being passionate about meeting needs and serving people across the globe. So what am I supposed to do with all of that? Well, we start by meeting needs locally and serving locally and seeking to point people locally to Jesus. That's why we ask you to invite people to church. It's why we ask you to serve. In fact, today we're announcing an initiative at Rolling Hills called Do Good Local. That everything we do under the umbrella of local ministry, that we want to say, just go do good local. Go do good. Take the good news. Share the good news. Be a good neighbor. Be a good member of our community. And meet the needs of our ministry partners. We've provided for you not only a guide today, but out at the welcome table. At the Next Steps table, you can pick up a a handout that actually has mapped out for you for the next several months all the opportunities to go do good local. It talks about some upcoming trips, some upcoming serve days, and we want you to do that. We want that to be even more so galvanized in your mind that we are giving you a free T-shirt today that says, Do Good Local. And you're going to pick one up on the way out. It's by the coffee table if you want one, and they are awesome. Take one, but again, don't take one if you're not going to go do good local. If you're going to be in a bad mood, let somebody else have your shirt, okay? (laughs) So if you can pick it up in good conscience and say, I want to go do good local, then take it. But if you need a little extra prayer time, then we'll save it for you for a couple weeks. Uh, But to wear it just to remind yourself, you know what? I want to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ here in my community. I want to go above and beyond to help meet the needs of others. And then when it comes to the national level, we've introduced some new national ministry partnerships for this upcoming year a couple church plants that we are supporting and that we want to see have significant impact in their their communities, and they need your help. There's opportunities for you to go and partner with these church plants. There's opportunities for you to financially support these church plants. And then lastly, when it comes to the work across the globe, I hope and pray that you'll be passionate about the work of Justice and Mercy International because we have opportunities for you to support not only our pastors in the Amazon, but also to come alongside some of the most vulnerable people in the world, and that's orphans and to sponsor them. And some of you do this already. But if you wonder one of the things that pleases God, it's when we care about orphans and when we care about widows and when we care about those who are in distress. Look at James 1.27. Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So this morning, I want you to hear from Rachel Trammell. Rachel is going to make her way to the stage, and Rachel works with Justice and Mercy International. is in fact the sponsorship director uh, for uh, Justice and Mercy International. And uh, Rachel um, has 
served uh, literally across the globe and serves with so many of you and helps facilitate our sponsorship program. And she's going to tell you about this in a little bit. But just in Moldova alone, there's over 750 kids that are currently in a sponsorship relationship with people just like you. And so it is awesome. And so, Rachel, for those that are maybe new today or maybe Justice and Mercy International, JMI is just three letters to them, and they want to know what it is. Tell us about what JMI is all about and what the mission is that you guys are seeking to fulfill. Yeah, well, JMI was born out of Rolling Hills Community Church back in 2008, and Rolling Hills was taking these summer mission trips, one or two a year for a week or two at a time, uh, to Moldova and serving kids, orphaned kids there. Um, You may not have heard of Moldova, and don't feel bad if you haven't. I hadn't either until about eight years ago. It is in uh, Eastern Europe. It's the former Soviet Union. It's tiny, the size of Maryland, and it is the hub for human trafficking in all of Eastern Europe. So these traffickers target these kids that are orphans, that are coming out of an orphanage, don't have parents, and um, traffic them into the slave trade. And so Rolling Hills saw this need. We were working in orphanages. We were working in these remote villages. And Rolling Hills said, we want to do more than we can do on a one-week mission trip. And so JMI was born. And so that was 2008. So fast forward, here we are. And we're still working there. Uh, And we are also working in the Amazon, as we saw Sarah, our very charismatic national director there on the video. So we have staff in both the Amazon and in Moldova. We have 36 staff in Moldova and a team in the Amazon as well. And so we have people that are full-time, 52 weeks of the year, even in COVID, able to serve the people uh, there in these two places. And, you know, I think that Rolling Hills saw this need and it would have been easy to say like, okay, somebody else will do that or we'll be back next year. But Rolling Hills really believes this scriptural mandate that the means of the gospel to the world is this, is us, guys. There's no one else. God designed it this way. It's you and me. It's the local church, the capital C church, but also the lowercase c church mm-hmm. is the means of the gospel to the world. And that's what JMI, JMI is all about. Well, tell us a little bit about, you mentioned these 36 staff in, in Moldova. I think it's really, really cool. Uh, if we were to rewind 5, 10, 15 years ago in some of these staff life, where were a lot of them 15 years ago? Yeah, I mean, this will get you. It, something that's very cool is, is we raise up these leaders, especially in Moldova. We have these residential homes for teenagers. So kids that are orphaned have no parents. They can come live in these homes for three years. And a lot of our current staff that are colleagues of mine that work for us for JMI in Moldova are kids that grew up in our orphanages that came through our homes and are now staff for us. They're the ones going back into the orphanages where they grew up and sharing the gospel with kids there. It's really yeah, amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And, and then lastly, if, if you want to get involved, I know we have a goal today. We have some things that we're trying to see happen today uh, specifically. So tell us about how, how to get involved and what that next step of sponsorship is. Yeah, so our kind of For the Kingdom Rolling Hills specific goal for today is 90 kids sponsored in the south of Moldova, which I, th- I think is our single, our big biggest single day goal of all time. So congratulations. <laughs> you have a challenge ahead of you. And so there's actually a QR code on uh, your worship guide today, right there with that For the Kingdom logo. And it'll take you to this page. QR codes, by the way, all you have to do is open the camera on your phone. You don't need an app. That was news to me recently. So <laughs> um, so it'll take you to this. And actually at the top of this page, there's a live counter like a uh, that's ticking up as the morning goes on, as people around Rolling Hills campuses are sponsoring kids. So we'd love to invite you. That's one of a million ways, of course, that you can do good. Um, but this is a really tangible way that the people of Rolling Hills, I believe, are called to partner with vulnerable kids in Moldova. 
Great. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. And uh, if you want to talk to Rachel more about this, she's going to be around after the service. You can go out there and you can talk to her specifically about what that is. There's varying degrees of sponsorship. Our orphan sponsorship, it's approximately about $38 to $40 a month that it's going to take to, to, to be one of our sponsors. And, and some awesome things happen. Uh, not only are those uh, amazing kids cared for by our national staff there, but you have an opportunity to be in relationship with those kids. And every letter that you write gets translated by one of those staff members and in the hands of those uh, beautiful faces and these orphanages. And, and once um, international travel is something that we can do again, uh, you can actually go and, uh, and see those kids and to, to meet your child and to get to serve with them in a summer camp experience and whatnot. So it's, it's just awesome. And I hope that you uh, will take every opportunity, every advantage today to be uh, involved in that work. And maybe it's something that you're just kind of hearing about all this today. And, and, and you're saying, you know, I was confused about this at one point, but God, I want it to be clear. Or honestly, maybe it's your place, and if this is where you are, I would so would appreciate your honesty, where you say, you know what, maybe this is a thing that, like, I know I should care about, and God, honestly, I just haven't cared as much as I know I need to in the past, but I want to care today, and I want you to show me today what it is that you want to do, what it really means to be on mission, and how do I really make a difference, because big picture, and you see this here on your screen, big picture, Jesus wants to eliminate all possible confusion about what it means to engage with him and his purpose for all mankind. He doesn't want us to walk away confused. He wants to eliminate all that confusion because he says, I want to show you what it means to engage with me and my purposes for all mankind. And the last thing this morning I want to read to you is from James chapter 2, verse 26. And it's the verse that I want to send you out of here with today. Because what it says in James 2, 26 is, the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Meaning that there's a active part of our faith, that there's a part of our faith where we put our hands to the work because faith without deeds is dead. And I don't think any of us want to be considered a dead faith. When you step out to serve and when you step out to be on mission, the world doesn't always understand that. Your friends and family may not understand that. But what would be your preference, to be misunderstood or to be dead? (laughs) To be misunderstood or to be standing before Jesus and saying your faith had no actions to it. It had no deeds. Or maybe it's an inconvenience. You say, you know what? I just don't know how I financially would do that. I don't know how I'd find the time. I just, it just seems too inconvenient for me. Well, I'd rather be inconvenienced than to have a dead faith. And whatever it is that God's speaking to you right now, I pray that you'll respond. In fact, I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. Let me give you just a moment to respond to that. Whatever it is that God's asking you to respond, maybe you're here and you realize, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm a goat, not a sheep. <laughs> and I don't want that. I desire to be with Jesus and I desire to be about what he wants me to be about. Or maybe you're here and you say, I'm walking with Jesus. I know that he has changed my heart but I want to be more passionate about what he wants me to be passionate about. And maybe today would be the first time that you step up to get involved, to put some feet to what we're talking about today. I pray that wherever you are, you would engage with him, engage with his mission here locally and around the globe. God, thank you for what you've done today. Thank you for who you are. God, you're so good. You're so faithful. You're so holy. And we're so mindful right now of people all across our community and all across the world that are hurting and that are struggling and help us to have opportunities to step up, to serve, to make a difference in the lives of other people. I pray that you would start something in this room, 
that you would encourage us, that through your word, you would motivate us and inspire us to be about what it is that you desire for us to be about. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all these things, amen and amen. If you want to talk with someone about this, please stick around after the service. Please go visit with Rachel outside. Please write on your card something that will indicate to us that there's a next step that you want to take and so that we can follow up with you specifically about that step. At this time, I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward. If you have those communication cards, uh, this is a great time to hand those in as well. And as our ushers are making the way forward to collect our tithes and our offerings and our communication cards, I also want to set up for you um, a video that you're going to see. Remember when I said in the Amazon that we were able to give a raise to all of our national staff in the Amazon. Well, guess what? Because of your generosity, we were also able to do the exact same thing with all 38 of the national staff in Moldova. And so we caught them on video, some of them learning about this and the difference that it will make with some that make so little already and that work so hard. And so we just want you to be encouraged by that. And we want you to hear them say, thank you for the difference that you've made. Take a look. Dear Owen Hills, uh, just as a mercy, Moldova staff wants to thank you for the wonderful help you just offered and believe all of us are very helpful. Thank you so much. Uh, this will be a great support and help for us and for our families. We feel loved and appreciated. And we also appreciate your love, your prayers and your support. Thank you so much for um, the support you offer daily and for understanding how important this ministry is for God's kingdom and for raising the new generation of Moldovan children who are going to change the future of the country. And all together, Jeremiah Moldova staff, we want to thank you. Thank you, Rolling Hills. Is that not awesome? I mean, how awesome is that? Um, how awesome is that? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, just for what you do. Thank you for an opportunity to be a part of your work. I pray that as we give, as we go, as we seek to serve uh, for you, that you would just take our lives and take everything that we seek to give to you and multiply it and use it for your name and for your glory. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.